This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. He is in the light, which then we're like, well, here's the problem. I've got plenty of darkness in my life, right? Past, present, pretty sure in the future, right? Anything that's, that's not of God, that doesn't reflect him is darkness. Well, I got plenty of that, and if I have to be in the light as he is in the light, problem, right? But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to transfer us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's what Colossians 1 tells us, that in Jesus's perfect life, in Jesus living a life of complete light, and in his death for our sins, he removes our record of darkness, and in his resurrection, he offers us his record of light. And so in the eyes of God, by, by trusting in Jesus, right, I am given his record. God sees me as in the light because Jesus is in the light and I'm in Jesus in faith. The record that Jesus has is now given to me. All right, that, that's the message of the gospel. That's how we come into a relationship with him is, is trusting in Jesus. And then last week we asked, how do we know I think a lot of us have had that time of like, how do I know for sure that, that I'm, I'm a Christian? How do I know for sure that, that I'm his? I told you all that from seven to 15, I asked that question all the time. I'd prayed a prayer when I was seven, but I was scared, man, what if I got that wrong? What if I missed it? What if I die and I go to hell forever? Like, I was just scared. And, and, and then when I was 15, I came to realize that my salvation is not in my prayer, not in praying this prayer right, not in being, a, my salvation is in Jesus. Do I trust him? If I trust him, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm his, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. And so we trust Jesus and the evidence of someone who has trusted Jesus, John says in the beginning of chapter two, is that we keep his commandments. That we, we walk, verse six, we walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. How do we know that we are truly his? Do we have a genuine desire to walk in the same way Jesus walked? Yes, we're gonna stumble, but, but will we get up and, and confess our sins and return to the way of Jesus? Are we eager to, to obey him? Are we eager to, to grow in him? Right, the same way that we're eager to learn cooking or golf or, or the great, like, are we eager to know Jesus in the way that he went? That is an evidence. It's not what makes us his, it's evidence that we are his. Does that make sense, that difference? So are we eager to obey him and to keep his commandments? And then in verse seven, John shifts to the actual commandments. He, he gives us one of the commandments of, of which Jesus tells us. And so I just want to encourage you, I th this is up now, great. Um, if you have your Bible, or, or even if you, you don't, maybe you have it on your phone, um, I, I want to give you a second to, to just read 1 John 2, 7 through 11 on your own. All right, and so we can put the verses up here and just kind of roll through them. Um, but just, just read it. 1 John chapter 2, 7 through 11.
All right, I'm going I'm to read it all. Um, and, and as I'm reading it, as you're reading it with me, as you're reflecting, ask yourself this question. If you were to summarize to a friend, okay, what, what did John say in these verses? How would you say, like, here's the summary. Here's the main thing that John wants us to, to take away from these verses. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So just answering yourself, how would you summarize those, was it five verses, four or five verses to a friend's like, hey, what, what did John say there? Just, you can write it down. Uh, you can just answer it in your head. Just try to summarize it in one, one sentence, two sentences. Maybe. Hold on one second. I'm just trying to see if people are still, wheels still turning. Okay. You, what you got, Jesse? Hate blinds you? Okay. Said, what if you said it the other way? Other side of the coin. Hate blinds you, but... Love, there you go. Great, yeah. Love doesn't blind you, right? Yeah, so, so we see in here the, the, the main emphasis that John is making is around love and hate, right? L loving one another, hating one another. Hate keeps you in the darkness. Love brings you in the light. I did this practice because what's more important, I believe, like I believe this is important. What's more important is, is tomorrow you being able to sit down and read the Bible and, and, and hear God, what God is saying on your own. Right? And so one of the ways we, we hear God and we know what he's, he's telling us is we, we read it and we just ask those questions, right? Okay, what, what's, the main, what, what's the point here? Right? Let, let me get past the, maybe the, wow, what's the saying, the forest and the trees, whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Let me get past all that, like what is the, if we drill down, how would I repeat this back to someone? How would I text a summary to someone? How would I tweet? I don't know how many characters go on a tweet anymore. It used to be 140. Um, how do I tweet the, the summary? Um, because that helps us understand what God is telling us here. It helps us on our own learn how to hear from God, to know him more personally, right? And so yeah, you read this and you're going, okay, we're talking about a commandment, old but new, and it has something to do with loving your brother or, or, or hating your brother. And the word brother, it's, it's written in the masculine tense because that's just how they wrote. It means anyone. It's the Greek term adelphoi, which means a fellow Christian. Right? This, is a, a, this is speaking to the church. This is John writing to Austin Life Church. Right? That, that, that we're called to love one another. That when we're talking about, okay, I trust Jesus, and an evidence of me trusting him is that I want to follow him. I want to go his way. Okay, what is the way of Jesus? The way of Jesus is loving one another. 
The, the way of Jesus is, is loving one another. It's, it's never hating one another. Right? And that's what we start to see in this command. We start to ask, okay, I, I'm called to love my brother. Now, as I said, this was written, the word brother here is written to the church. That doesn't mean that other commands aren't applicable, right? Like if I tell my kids, hey, don't do drugs, that doesn't mean they can go rob a bank because I didn't tell them not to go rob a bank, right? Like, okay, just because we're getting the one topic here doesn't mean the other things aren't applicable, right? So John is just speaking to the church, about loving one another, but the command to love your neighbor, the command to love your enemy, to command, the command to love the least of these are all still applicable, okay? So, but, but we're just gonna take this and say, okay, in this passage, and this is important for, for interpreting the Bible, we don't want to read into it what's not written there. Right, I don't want to read something into it and go, oh, well, because something over here says this, that's, that's okay here too. No, no, John is writing to the church here. There's an emphasis within the church about loving one another versus hating one another, right? And so we, we want to know what he is, is talking about here. So he says that when we're talking about obeying the commands of God, and, and John is assuming John is assuming that if you are a Christian, if you're reading this and you're a Christian, we will want to obey the commands of God. That we desire to know, okay, Jesus, what is your way so I know how to follow it? And that we do have a desire to obey it. Right, and so first question we've got to ask is, okay, whatever comes next, do I desire to obey his words? Like, is there a genuine desire to, to follow him? And, and if not, let me just encourage you, my, my hope for us as a church is that this will be a safe place for people to disagree. That it's okay. Like you're, you're welcomed and invited and we're gonna, we're gonna hold tightly to, to this. But if you're not here yet, okay, come explore here. I talked to someone who's, you know, struggling in, in faith and, and so has removed himself from the church. And I'm like, no, 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 come struggle in the church. Right, we hear this um, uh, de de construction. Is that the word? Uh, Deconstruction of religion and faith, and, and it's like, okay, that's fine, but don't step outside of what you've known your whole life while you do that. Journey through that in the church. Journey through your doubts and your crisis with one another, and, and if you end up in a different place, uh, okay, but but don't remove yourself and isolate yourself to to journey and ask your questions. No, no, this is a safe place to ask your questions. This is a safe place to, to have doubts and to wrestle. Do it here. You're invited and you are welcome here, right? And so I don't even know where I was going with that, honestly, but there you go. Oh, okay, so we have a desire to, to know his commands and obey them. I'm trusting that, it, I'm assuming that if you've trusted Christ, that desire is in you. Okay, Jesus, okay, John, what is your command? Well, it's, an old, it's, it's nothing new. The commands of God are not new. It's an old command. The command to love one another, it's been there from the beginning. Right? If you look in Leviticus 19, verses 18, everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus, right? And you're like, man, let's memorize some, let's memorize some scripture. Let's start in Leviticus. You know what you're gonna find in Leviticus, though? You're gonna find some of those foundational elements that we still stand on today. Like Leviticus 19.18, which commands us, did I send this slide? I don't know. 
It's not on. It's, it's cool. Com- commands us to love your neighbor, right? It's in, it's in the Old Testament law. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Thus saith the Lord, right? The, the MO of God has always been love, right? God, God is love. John's gonna tell us that in, in chapter four of the same book. Like God's agenda is always love. He created the world. We talk about this not because he needed us, but because he loves us and he wants to share in the fellowship that he has with us. God creates Adam and Eve to walk in a loving relationship. God disciplines Adam and Eve because he loves them and wants to bring them back to truth. Right? The commands are to love God and love one another. That's what Jesus says when asked, hey Jesus, what's the most important command? He says, I'll tell you two things, everything else. If you do these two things right, every other command you will get. First one is, love God. That's it, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second one, love your neighbor. Jesus says, these two commands, on these two commands, hangs every other command. If I'm loving God, I will do the other. If I'm loving God, others, I will do the others. And, and so this, it's nothing new. The commands that John is giving us is nothing new, and yet at the same time, he says, verse eight, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. So how is it old but new? Or how is it this old commandment that we've seen from the beginning and yet it's also new. Well, John tells us it is new in Jesus. In Jesus, this commandment is new. Up to the point of Jesus, the commandment to love neighbor has been there. But our interpretation and our model has been through sinful and perfect beings. So we have this command, love your neighbor, and we're going, okay, what does that mean? And we're filtering that through our own flawed understanding, and we're like, oh, look at, look at that person. He's loving well. Okay, perhaps, but it's still flawed and short. Then Jesus comes in, and he fulfills the law perfectly. He obeys the command perfectly, and so while it's the same command, we're now seeing a new and right way in which it is lived out. We're seeing the true way in which it is lived out. We now have a model to follow that is actually doing it well. Yes, we can look to one another and say, man, they're loving well, right? Like, like you know, he's loving well, she's loving well. But, but at best, that is a reflection of the love that Jesus has already done perfectly. And so he's saying it's an old commandment. There's nothing new, but now in Jesus, we actually see it lived out. We actually see how to do this commandment right. We don't have to interpret it through what makes sense to us. We interpret it through Jesus. How do you love one another? You look to Jesus and you ask, how did Jesus love one another? What did Jesus say? Because he is doing it right. He fulfills the commandment to love one another. But then not only that, it is new in us. What does that mean? It means that by faith in Jesus, when we are in him and following his ways, by his spirit in us, we can actually obey the commandment 
as we are supposed to obey it. Not in our own strength, not because, not because we are able or we've, you know, dusted off, you know, brushed off the rust or the dirt, but like in Jesus, I actually can love him. The light of truth, of true love is now shining in and through me because of Jesus in me. I actually can love my neighbor as God calls me to. By his spirit in me. By his strength in me. Now, will I spend the rest of my life striving for that? Sure, 100%. Because I'm still flawed, I'm still broken, but we can't discount the, the reality that true love by faith is in me. The spirit of God dwells in me. It is there. Whereas before, before faith in Jesus, it was my own strength. It was only what I could muster up. Well, now, the true love, the true light of Jesus is in me. And so we can walk out this command to love one another. And so it's old, but it's, it's also new. And so now we want to get into the more specifics of it. What, what does it mean to love one another? If the command that, that we, I'm trusting, we want to know, we want to follow is for you to love one another, like t- take a look around you. Like literally, look around you. Just see people, Right? We looking? Because this is the context John is writing in. Right? This, if we're going to obey this commandment, it starts, it, this commandment starts here. Right? We've got to look around and we're called to love one another. Right? So what is love? What is hate? I finally found a definition that I really like of love. This is the Greek word agape. There's, there's four Greek words for love. In English, we just use love for everything. Right? Like, I, I, I love your beard. It's this fantastic beard. But it's different than I love my wife, right? Those are two different loves, fair? Like, I can't grow a beard, and so I love it. It's great. I love you. Hopefully, those are different loves, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, so we just, we just throw the word love at everything. I love you, bro. Okay, fair, great, you know, but it's gonna have a different weight and a different measure than something else, right? I, I, I no, I'm not gonna say anything about the Aggies. Um, it's not, I, it's not worth it. Just got to back out, right? So, so what is agape love? This command says to agape one another. What is that? I finally found a defi- definition that I like. Do we have this one up there? Great. To love, to agape, is the selfless and intentional posture to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. I'm going to leave that up there for a second because we're going to talk through these words. Agape is the selfless and intentional posture to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. First, it is selfless. Love is selfless. It is outward moving. Love does not put self first. Love does not prioritize self, but love is outwardly preferring another person before self. If at any point I'm now thinking of myself before you, I, I'm, not do, I'm not doing agape, right? Now that doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself, right? Taking care of yourself, hear me on that, taking care of yourself is important because if I don't take care of myself, I can no longer give the best version of myself to you. It's that motivation change, right? Am I taking care of myself? Am I saying no because I need to rest because I'm lazy and I just don't want to be a part of it? Or am I saying no because if I don't rest, I'm going to break down and then I've got nothing to give. 
right? And so we've got to think through our motivation. What is my true motivation? Is this for self or is it for other? Love is selfless. Love is intentional. Agape is not something you fall into. I didn't fall into agape or fall out of agape. That's why relationships are such a disaster right now because we think that they're built on this feeling that, that comes and goes based on what I ate for dinner last night, right? I had some bad food. I woke up feeling kind of gross. I'm not really into my wife today. Oh, I guess I've fallen out of love, you know? And it's so fickle and so flippant. No, no, agape is a, an intentional choice, it is a commitment, it is a determination, it is a resolve. I am choosing on purpose to love this person. Regardless of my feeling, regardless of what's happening from them, it is an intentional choice. We use the word posture. It's a, it's a disposition towards others. It's, a, it's an outward facing towards all people, all times, all places. Use the word posture because uh, there's, there's people in the church, the greater worldwide church, that are my brothers and sisters in Christ that I, I will never meet, ever, right? How do I love them? How do I, how do I love the 42-year-old the in, in London right now that I, I don't like, let's call him Sam. Like, how do I love that person? Well, when I, I think of said person, are my thoughts kind? and good towards that person? And if I meet that person, am I ready to outwardly do love? Right, it's, it's just a, it's a posture towards others. It's a posture of love towards all people, all times, all places. If someone walks through that door, am I ready to love them? Am I postured outward towards other people or is my general posture inward? Love is a selfless and intentional posture to think what is kind, good, and best. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, right, Jesus says that if you have looked with lustful intent towards another man or woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. His point, sin doesn't just come from what we do with our hands. Sin starts here with our minds. Sin starts with our, our, our thoughts about people as well. And so we have to ask, are my thoughts towards others kind and good and best or are my thoughts towards others petty, resentful, angry, selfish, right? Jesus is calling for all of us to love another. So it's, it's a selfless intentional posture to think and to do. Just thinking good things towards someone falls short of love. We have to then put it to practice. We have to do what is kind and good and best. We have to think and do what is kind and good and best for another. Which other? Any other. Any other. So then on the flip side, hate. Hate is the selfish and intentional or even indifferent posture to not think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. Hate is intentionally withholding love or even just being indifferent towards it. There's no neutrality, there's no middle ground. I'm either, I'm either loving or hating. I'm not in the middle. And so even an indifference towards other people. I'm not hating them, but are you loving them? No, yeah. Well, then we're hating. We're in the hateful side of things. So hate is the intentional 
selfish or indifferent posture to not think and do what is kind. So if I think something that is mean towards others, if I do something that is mean, that, that's, that's, hateful, that's hateful. Right? If I think of, of not, if I'm not thinking what is the best for them, but I'm, you know, settling, like that, that, that's hateful. To love is to think and do what is kind, good, and best. To be hateful is to not think or not do what is kind, good, or best. It is to withhold that active love towards others. And John says that if we are following Christ, our command that we are to keep, the, the one that, man, we want to follow him, what is it? Let's lean into this, Jesus. What do you have for us? The command, look around you. Love one another. Love one another. What about that person over there? Yes. The one in the back? Yes. The one who's not here today? Yes. Love one another another. Selflessly and intentionally posture your life to think and do what is kind, good, and best. That is the command that we are called to live. In following Jesus and following his way, that is a command we're called to live. So how are we going to do that? Because we want to do that. I, I, I believe that, that we want to do that. I don't believe that we are wanting to be hateful Okay, so, so now what? First thing, and we've already touched on this, we have to believe we are able. We have to believe that the spirit inside of us gives us what we need to love. We have to believe that, that when, when we're running low, that he will fill up what's lacking. Right, when it is, and it's tough sometimes to love some people. Right? It is tough sometimes to love some people, especially if they're in the wrong We've got to believe. That's what faith is. I've got to trust, okay? This step of loving, I don't want to and I don't think I'm able to, but I've got to trust the Spirit will give me what is needed to love as Jesus has loved. And so I move. I, I commit to that. We have to believe we are not victims, right? So much of what I think the, the devil does to, to rob us of walking like Jesus is just to make us think we're not able, but in Christ, we are a new creation. Ephesians 1, Paul prays that the church will know, love this quote, the immeasurable greatness of the power at work in you. So whatever capacity you're like, man, this is all I can give. Okay, perhaps yes today, but just know that there is an immeasurable, that means it cannot be fully measured, right? Immeasurable greatness of the power, capital P, at work in you. You, by Jesus' spirit in you, are far able to do that was awful English, are able to do far more than we think we can do because of him in us. Church, we have to stop living like victims and like we're unable. We have to stop being afraid and being passive. That is exactly where the devil wants us. No, no, by the spirit of God in us, we are able to love one another. We've got to receive the victory that Jesus has already won right? You know, a little something there? Come on. We have to receive that victory. No more living in defeat. We've got to believe that we are able. We've got to look to Jesus, right? John told us this is made new. The light is shining through in him. Jesus is our model for love. We have to look to Jesus, one, 
to know how to walk, and two, because the Bible tells us that is what fuels us to keep going. That is what inspires and compels us, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. It is the love of Christ that compels me to love others. The more I realize his love for me, the more I cannot help but then love others. If I'm struggling to love others, I can first look vertically. That problem starts vertically before it starts horizontally. If I'm struggling to love you, I need to sit under the love of God for me more because it will fuel me to love others. We look to Jesus, A, for the model, and B, for the, the inspiration. B, for the heart transformation. So what do we see in Jesus? How did he love? I mean, just a few. Just a few that came to mind. John 15, 13. He says, greater love has no man than this than one lay down his life for his friend. All right, how did Jesus love you and me? He literally laid his life down for us. The command, love one another. We lay down our life for one another. Does that literally mean you're gonna die for someone? I don't know, maybe. But it does mean that I am going to get rid of myself in order to lift you up. I am going to humble myself in order to lift you up. Because that's how Jesus loved us. Luke 9, 51, love this verse. I don't know that I sent all these in. But it says that when it, the time came for him to go to Jerusalem, that he set his face toward Jerusalem. Right, there's this turning point in the story of Jesus where it's like he knows, okay, now I go to Jerusalem. And he resolved to go to Jerusalem. The disciples are like, Jesus, don't do that. Let's not go there. Why? Because they're gonna kill you. You go to Jerusalem, Jesus, and they will kill you. And Jesus is like, I know, that's why I'm here. He resolved, he set his face to love us. Love is not easy. Love requires self-sacrifice. It requires an intentional posture. Jesus, praise be to God, was intentional in going to Jerusalem because in Jerusalem, he was nailed to a cross so that your sins and my sins could be removed and nailed to the cross with him. Praise God, he was resolved and committed to love. And so we love in a similar way. I'm resolved to this. Now I'm not going anywhere. We're, we're, we're walking this out. Can I just encourage you again? As a culture, we are so flippant and consumers. Oh, I don't like this anymore. I'll go try this. Oh, that's not good anymore. I'm gonna go try this, right? We, we treat things of faith like tennis shoes. Oh man, I don't, like, I don't like the Adidas anymore. Let me switch to Nikes. I don't like Nikes anymore. Let me switch to, let me switch to the, the Hocus, 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 whatever it is, right? And, we, and we're just consumers. We just consume a product and we do the same thing with, with people of faith. Ah, oh, man, this person made me mad. I'm out. Ah, oh, I don't like the way that the preacher said that. I'm out. Ah, oh, this isn't, this, I want more from music or something. I'm out, right? And we, it's, we, we don't endure with people. We don't, we aren't resolved to walk with people. If you've ever been in a relationship, a real relationship for more than, two weeks, I don't know. Conflict is going to happen. If we take off every time something isn't fun or isn't pleasant or didn't sit right, man, we're not gonna have anything of, of substance or depth. Love endures, it's resolved. All right, we're doing this, let's go, let's figure this out. Now, I think so many marriages could be saved if two people would just get over themselves and go work together. The reason marriages fall apart, and sorry, that's a strong statement. The majority of the reason I think marriages fall apart is pride. 
I don't want to work on this. I don't want to work on this. I want you to get better. I want you to get better. And then we never move forward. I realize there's a number of factors involved. And so I don't want to like some broad sweeping statement. But I'm a firm believer that if two people humble themselves and come to the table, then we can get through almost anything. We, we can get through almost anything. We've got to be resolved in love. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be bumps along the way. Don't give up. Let's keep going. Another way Jesus loved, John 13, right? He, he washes the disciples' feet. Remember that story? Right? The, the, they come to eat, and they're supposed to be a servant, a servant that, that washes their feet. And I know, like, I don't like to, wa- I don't like to touch people's feet now. Right? And, and most of you, I think, have on shoes and socks. Right? Th- these people are in open-toe shoes walking down dirt roads and fields with some nasty feet. Just straight disgusting. And you're not just washing off dirt. They got, they got camels and donkeys. I mean, you're just walking through it all. And so the servant, the lowest of the low, would literally, before you come eat, get a bowl of water and wash your nasty feet. Well, in this setting, there was no servant. And so Jesus stands up, wraps a towel around his waist, bends down and starts washing the disciples' feet. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, if, if you won't let me serve you, you, you've got no place for me. He's talking about the cross, ultimately. If you won't let me serve you, if you won't give your sins to me, but he bends down, he tangibly washes feet. And I think the most impactful to me is he washes Peter, and John's, James, and he gets to Judas, picks up those nasty feet of the one he knows is about to walk out and betray him, washes those feet. And then he says, same chapter. Hey, hey guys, in the same way that I have loved you, love others. John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. We're to love one another by, by serving the needs of others before self. Even the nasty Gross! I don't want to touch this need. Matthew 9 says Jesus looked out to the crowds. He had compassion on them. Sheep without a shepherd. Love of Jesus is compassionate towards others. It's not harsh, judgmental, but compassionate. Sees sees where they're missing and wants more for them. So we love others with compassion. Luke 5, I wrote down Luke 5, 6, 7. Luke 5, Jesus touches a leper, the untouchable. He brings healing to the untouchable, to the person that most are like, that's, that's a problem. Don't go near that person. Jesus moves near. He eats and drinks with Levi and his drunk tax collector buddies. He does good to those who are mean to him. Luke 7, he welcomes in the outsider. And we're like, okay, well, okay, love one another. How did Jesus love? Man, we, we just start reading the Gospels. And we just see. And then our life starts to transform when we realize, oh, I'm the outsider that he welcomed in. 
I'm the person who was mean to him and he did good. I'm the sinner and the drunk and the tax collector and he eats with me. Oh, I'm the sick and he touches me. Oh, I'm the lost and he has compassion for me. Oh, I'm the needy and he serves me. Oh, I'm the one who's running away and he's resolved to go after me. Oh, I'm the one who needs him to lay down his life and he does it. When we start to realize that these aren't just historical characters, these are, this is us. But the way that Jesus loved these people is the way that Jesus loves us. And when we start to realize that, it can't help but compel us now to then go love one another. And so we look to Jesus to know his, y'all, he loves, he loves us more than we will ever be able to fathom. Not only in this life, I think in all of eternity, we'll never fully fathom how much he loves us. So just, I mean, just try imagining it for the fun of it. And then realize, oh, well, it's a good start because there's so much more and so we look to Jesus and then we start looking around at others and we ask ourselves, and we have to teach our brain to think this way is that thought towards that person kind good or best when I saw him come in did I have kind thoughts when she sat down near me were my thoughts in the best for her we start asking, am I doing what is kind, good, and best for this person? Am I actively doing whatever I'm doing with the thought that this is kind, good, and best for those around us? We have to start thinking through that so that our body becomes trained to walk in that way. We have to train our minds to ask those questions. Are you asking that question of the people around you? Are you, are you asking that question of the person sitting next to you? Are you asking yourself that question of the person behind you or in front of you? Are we, are we asking that question? Are we training ourselves to think in love, to do in love? And then when we mess up, because we will, are we willing to go and own that, to confess that, and to correct it? That's what repentance is crap, I messed up. I'm sorry, let me do right. That, that's what it is. Are, are we willing to do that? Like somewhere in the world, we've been taught that like admitting mistakes is some terrible thing. No, man, like you're the people I want in my life. I want to hire you. Like someone who can own their mistakes and be like, oh, let me correct it. That's quality. And yet we're like, there's a lie in our heads like no no we don't want we can't be we, we, we can't own up to that like what will they think who cares like we have to repent because we're going to mess up a, a lot mostly in small ways but then some big ways too that's what love is love is willing to own up not owning up keeping stuff in the dark We've, we've read 1 John 1 and part of 2. That's, that's not the way of Jesus. And so we have to own up. So just start thinking through it. Right? When people come in, are we welcoming others? And we talked about this in our members meeting. Are we welcoming people in? That is love. To allow someone to feel unseen, unknown, uncared for, it, in John's words, it's hateful. That's not thinking of what's kind for them. It's not doing what's kind for them or best for them. So let's just own it, right? When we are not welcoming to others, 
We are being hateful. We are not being loving. Let's own it. Let's correct it. Let's, let's move forward. When needs arise in the church, among one another, are we stepping up and meeting those needs as we hope people will for us? Are we stepping up and meeting, serving those needs as Jesus has done for us? Are we doing what is kind, good, and best? Our church agreed or is praying about a budget for next year. What's loving? What's hateful in that? Well, loving is, if I'm a part of this church, I'm doing my part. I'm not letting everybody else handle it for me. I'm doing my part. Right? That's what's kind and best and good. Right? Like Love, it, it trickles into every aspect of life. We think of the smallest things, right? Okay, we're gonna go out to eat. Man, what's the most, what's the kindest thought for someone? Hey, sit here. You have the center spot. Oh, you don't wanna be in the center? Okay, like thinking about things like that. Oh, we're gonna carpool somewhere. Man, it's tight as crammed in the back. Well, let me get in the front first. Right, what, what is it? Like it breaks down into the most simplest ways. What is kind and good and best for another? Grumbling, complaining, Right? The, the Bible literally says, do all things without grumbling. Now, that is a, a straight command of Jesus. It, is it loving to, to grumble or complain about things? No, it puts a burden on someone else. Right? And so we, what, what about speech? The Bible says, say nothing unless it's, this is a terrible quote, upbuilding and edifying. Okay, is the way I'm talking to another person, is that building them up or is that tearing them down? What if they aren't around and they can't hear us? Was that really what's kind for them? Right, we've got to start filtering everything through. The trash needs to be taken out. Well, if I don't do it, someone else is going to have to do it, so I'm putting a burden on someone else. What if I just take the trash out? It's, it's thinking and doing what is kind for another. Right? Our kids need to be loved on. Well, if I don't do it, someone else has to do it. Okay, so let me step in and, and, and spread the load. Like it's literally thinking through all of those aspects. And that is the command that Jesus gives us to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. The fruit we see of this, and this is where we'll, we'll end, right? What, what are the results of this? If God reveals to us an area that we have not been loving and we are unwilling to repent, John tells us we are still in darkness. One of the results of not loving another is that we will remain in darkness. We haven't trusted Jesus. We haven't been transformed by him. That should be a warning bell. If there's something in us that's unwilling to act, think, and do what is kind, good, and best for another, that should be the Holy Spirit's warning bell. Why are we unwilling to obey his commandments? What's going on there? We talked about this two, three weeks ago. I can't hold on to the light of Jesus and my darkness and think that I'm walking in the light as he is in the light. It's all or nothing. I surrender all of my stuff to him or I might as well just hold on to all of it. So the, one of the results of not doing this is that will remain in darkness. I mean, Jesse mentioned it earlier. For, for those of us who are Christians, we're, we're going to mess up. And so if we are not loving another, it, it gives us cause to stumble. That's what it says in verse 10. 
Verse 9 and 10, right? If you're in the darkness, if you're hating your brother, then, then there's cause for stumbling. If you're in the light, if you're loving one another, there's no cause for stumbling. Right? When we are not loving one another, it is opening the door for more and more sin in our lives. Rarely do you wake up one day and go like, oh my gosh, how did I destroy my life? It just happened like that. No, no, no. Typically, it was one thing led to another led to another. So when we're unwilling to do that, it is opening the door for more sin in our lives. It's putting us in a place where there's cause for stumble. There's cause for further falling. But for those that love, you can see clearly. Right? If you're standing up here and you've got to walk to that door, but you're blindfolded, then you might run into stuff. But if you're standing up here and you can see clearly, you just walk to the door. When we walk in the light as he is in the light, it's going to lead us. It's going to show us the way to go. It's also going to bring us closer to God. When we're following him, we have to ask that we truly believe that fellowship with him is the fullness of joy, is complete joy. If so, the more we actually follow him, the closer we become to him. Right? The more I obey, it's not that I've lost or earned my salvation, but it's I'm growing in my intimacy. It's the same thing with my wife, right? If I sin against her, is that helping my intimacy? No. Is it helping our communion? No. Right? But if I'm loving her, I'm moving near to her, and she's loving me, right? We're, we're able to grow in that relationship and intimacy. The more that I'm moving near to God and following his way, I'm going to grow in that fellowship and that intimacy, which is, according to the Bible, the fullness of joy. And so part of the fruit of following him and doing this is that, man, I get more of him. I know more of him. I have more of his life. The last thing I'll say is John 17. Jesus is praying and he prays for unity that, that those within the church would be and this is the quote of Jesus, one, oh, there, great, that they also may be in us, so that, well, sorry, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. Let's just stop there for a second. Jesus is praying that we have the same unity that he has with the Father. Like, let that just sit. Jesus' prayer for you and for me, is that we are unified, that we love one another the same way that he with the Father. That's his prayer for us. That's his aim for us. And what's the result of it? That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The, the world around us will know the truth through how we display the truth. The world will know love through how we love. What kind of story are we telling? Right? What, what kind of story are we telling the world? What are we telling the world about the love of God for, for us and our love for him based on the way we are loving one another? By our love, the world will know. Or the other way, by our lack of love, the world will know. Like that, that's, that's what the world is looking at because they, we are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. 
What kind of picture are we giving? So if we're following him, we're not gonna be perfect, but our commitment to following the way of Jesus is to love one another as he has loved us. To selflessly and intentionally think and do what is kind, good, and best. For, from 1 John 2, for every person in this room, that, that's our calling. And not only us, but for every person that's in that room or, or in that room, that's why when we do our parent commissioning, and we ask parents, are you committed to raising these kids to follow Jesus? Yes. And then we turn and we look at the church and we say, are you committed to helping these parents lead these kids to Jesus? Because that is 1 John 2. We are loving one another. So let's love one another. Let's lean into Jesus. Let's know that he gives us what we need. Let's look to him and let's resolve to love one another. And when we mess up, let's own it and make it right. Get back on track. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.